0: Welcome to 49ers Access, my name is Sterling Bennett and this is episode number 31 of the podcast and today was supposed to be a continuation of our free agency special, well, the 49ers yesterday decided to shake up the entire NFL draft landscape trading up with the Miami Dolphins for the number 3 overall pick and let me just tell you my reaction was, I was flabbergasted for a lack of better words. Uh, But joining us today to do so, to discuss the trade, the implications, the ramifications of the trade, he does a masterful job covering the 49ers for the Athletic. It's Matt Barrows. Matt, it's honestly laughable how things kind of worked out in our favor for today. You mentioned it off the air. Uh, I'm going to mention it on the air. Uh, We had to reschedule two times this podcast, but every single time we rescheduled, news broke. Whether it was Tartan K-1 resigning or it's this massive Niners trading to the third overall pick. So I really appreciate you joining us today in arguably one of the crazier weeks of the Niner offseason thus far.
1: Yeah, it makes you wonder, if, if we uh, waited a little longer to do this, what what was the next news going to be? Are, are the 49ers moving to San Diego or to uh, St. Louis or something like that? <laughs> I mean, what, what could top the news that we got on Friday, which is the 49ers sending... Uh, basically, four picks to um, uh, Miami to uh, move up to number three. So, again, for the second time in four years, they've got the number three pick in the draft.
0: I think we can only hope that the luck this year with the number three overall pick is better than it was in 2017 when they drafted Solomon Thomas. But let's talk about the trade itself. The Niners traded the 12th overall pick a 2022 first-rounder, a 2022 third-rounder, and a 2023 first-rounder to go all the way up to number three overall with the Miami Dolphins to what seems like to get their franchise quarterback. Uh, Matt, was there something that transpired that was new maybe to get this deal done, or was there a breaking point somewhere? Like, What led to this move being made by the San Francisco 49ers?
1: Well, all their other options were being taken off the table. Remember they were sort of in maybe not in kind of in on the Matthew Stafford stuff but that obviously got too rich for their blood and then um you know they're they're interested in Do- Deshaun Watson for sure they were one of the teams interested and I think that there was interest going the other way as well and remember that D- Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause now uh, you know the, the news today was that there are now 20 women out there accusing Deshaun Watson of inappropriate massage behavior. So, you know, that's just not tenable anymore. Certainly not now, you know, between now and the draft, which is when one of of the windows where a trade would come about. So the 49ers just didn't have any options. Even, you know, veteran quarterbacks who aren't all that highly thought of, like uh, Tyrod Taylor and Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Major Trubisky, all of them found homes elsewhere. So the 49ers found themselves with not uh, a lot of options and figured, okay, if we're going to do this, let's do it in a big way. Let's go up and get one of these rookie quarterbacks, make him the face of the franchise for the next 10 years. It's a big, it's a big step. It's a bold step and and they get credit for that, but it's it's risky. And it's especially risky in a season where you really don't have any real FaceTime with this person. You're going to make this person the face of your franchise, hopefully for the next 10, 15 years. You can't go to dinner with him. You can't invite him to your facility and, and show him around and have him meet um, you know, the trainers, the, the front office people, et cetera, et cetera, They have they're very restrictive rules right now with what you can do. You do a lot of Zoom stuff for sure. But that hands on uh, things that that teams picking in the top five used to do, uh, that's off limits this year. So that's, that's kind of a, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a big question. How do you figure out, really figure out about this person on whom you are hinging so much of your future? You know, uh, your reputation, your draft picks, everything um, in, this, uh, in this climate that we're in. So it just kind of makes it uh, another element of risk, I think. Uh, makes it interesting, but uh, makes it a, a bigger gamble.
0: Well, you mentioned Deshaun Watson, and as we detour away for a second, do you believe that if the Deshaun Watson allegations weren't out there, the Niners had a pretty good chance of acquiring Watson? Well,
1: I mean, you look at this package that they sent for number three. That, that gives you the, the framework of what they were willing to give up. Again, it's a little trickier because there would have been other teams involved that would have ratcheted things up. But, like I I noted earlier, Watson has a no-trade clause. So, if he didn't want to go to Miami, if he didn't want to go to the Jets, that, you know, uh, puts it in the 49ers' favor, and that also sort of lessens, I would think, the the trade compensation. So, I don't know exactly what it would have been, but I I can tell you it would have looked an awful lot like what uh, the 49ers gave up to Miami. Now, would there have been a a Debo Samuel— Uh, a fred warner thrown into the mix um i'm sure the texans would have loved that uh again but it would have been haggling and there would have been you know the third party Deshaun watson uh able to kind of uh voice uh you know put put his uh voice into it as well so it's hard to say but uh, like i said uh would have involved probably the the 2022 and the 2023 first round picks
0: well, you mentioned that the Niners had been kind of. They've been in the, the, the Matthew Stafford market. They had been in the Brissett and the Tyra Taylor and the Watson markets. Adam Schefter reported yesterday that the Niners had been talking with the Bengals, at the fifth overall pick, Atlanta at the fourth overall pick, and of course, they traded the action made for the third overall pick with Miami. Um,. As all of the quarterbacks are coming off the market, was trading up this high to get a rookie quarterback the plan all along? Or is this, to a certain extent, kind of the contingency plan of realizing they weren't going to get Watson, they weren't going to get Stafford or someone like that?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's it's the latter. I mean, uh, I don't know if when the Stafford trade came about, the 49ers realized okay, um, you know, there, there's just not going to be much out there. I mean, there, there, at that time, there was plenty out there as far as the backup type of guy. Uh, there wasn't plenty out there as far as the guy. Matt Ryan wasn't going to be dislodged out of Atlanta for contract reasons. Um, nobody was returning calls from, from Houston. They, they, you, you just couldn't be sure uh, of what Houston was going to do. So uh, I, I think that, that they began you know, seriously looking at these uh, rookie quarterbacks at that point. And and that coincides to what um, Kyle Shanahan's offseason schedule is. He'll take a a month off. He'll go down to Cabo and then he'll come back in in February and he'll lock himself in a room and he'll put on little Wayne and uh, (laughs) he'll just watch uh, film all day long and he'll fall in love with people. And so uh, I think it's obvious that the uh, first on his uh, film viewing list, were, were the quarterbacks? And um, as you noted, if they were truly kind of uh, calling around as as, uh, as low as number five with the Bengals, it, you know, it tells me that there are several quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan thinks that he can work with. And I think that you know, I I, I really think you know, right now it's. Let's just say it's uh, Lawrence goes one and Wilson goes two. The, the next three are Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. I feel like Shanahan thinks that okay, I can win with any of those guys. Now at that three, he probably wants he he does want the biggest bang for his buck. So to me, that means uh, Lance or Fields. But uh, it, it would not shock me if if he comes off and uh, at some point and says, "Yeah, I looked at all of those guys." I liked all of those guys. I felt like I could win with all three of those quarterbacks, uh, and that's what sort of initiated our, um, our look, our, our venture into trading up into the top five.
0: When I look at the trade they made, it came across in more of a way of that the Niners know Lawrence is going one they likely know who was going number two. Like, you don't make this move unless you're comfortable picking from a handful of four guys. Where you think, like you said, Matt, that you can win with every single guy who is going to be there. And, one, I think that goes into how well we value this quarterback class. It's a very good quarterback class. Even Davis Mills was getting third-round mock drafts and climbing up draft boards. Even Kellen Mond was as well. Um, But... At the end of the day, some people will say, "Well, Mac Jones is a guy who fits Shanahan." I mentioned he would he fits that Kirk Cousins mold that Shanahan likes a lot. My personal ranking would be, you know, I want Zach Wilson number at the number one if I can, but obviously I think he might be gone. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, then people don't like the maybe a project player like a Trey Lance and Justin Fields seems to be the uh, has seemed to caught the Niner fans' eyes on Twitter. But I think we can all agree that the Niners are in a good place, that they can get their guy, they can get their guy here. And I've been saying for months that it doesn't matter who I want at quarterback, doesn't matter who who you want at quarterback or who the Niners fans want at quarterback. It matters. The only thing that matters is what Kyle Shanahan wants at quarterback. They didn't get their guy in 2017. You can even argue that Garoppolo wasn't their guy or Shanahan's guy um, throughout his tenure there. Now, there's a lot of reports out there about what's going on and rumors that may or may not be true but is there a certain quarterback that you think fits that Shanahan system best out of the four that could be there?
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the question. Um, people think about the Shanahan system, and they think about what Shanahan has done in recent years um, with guys like Matt Ryan and guys like Kirk Cousins and guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and those guys are are pocket quarterbacks. They're not going to escape the 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 pocket very much, and that has kind of led to um this idea that uh shanahan has a type and and i think he does, but it's sort of a um he 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 believes that it's a a a cost ratio thing like if I can get a Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick that's great for us because I can win with a jimmy Garoppolo uh quarterback I, I don't think that he would trade up. To number three to get a Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. Remember, Kirk Cousins was taken in the fourth round. That was a great value, but it, it, he was a fourth rounder. Um, so I, I would think that the the model when you're talking about the perfect Shanahan quarterback, the model is John Elway. I mean, that's the guy that you want. Um, great arm. Obviously, smart and savvy, but, but, but also always could run out of the pocket. Was a great athlete. Um, strong, sturdy. Um, you know, Lasted through 16-game seasons. Uh, got blasted and helicoptered into the air and still won the Super Bowl. That's the, the type of guy. So, if I had to guess, um, and this is a total guess, because I don't know. Like I said, I feel like he he can go a number of different ways. But I would think that Lance... Out of all these guys, is the closest thing to that that Elway ideal that uh, that they had in, in the glory days of the nineteen nineties in Denver. This is when Kyle Shanahan was growing up, uh, bright eyed, you know, young guy, kind of soaking it all in, and, and that's who he saw running that offense and winning Super Bowls.
0: When I look at Trey Lance at North Dakota State, I saw Shanahan quarterback. Now again, maybe not the 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 Kirk Cousins mold, but I I saw a guy that looked like someone Chanahan would love. He ran a very similar system at North Dakota State. Now, granted, uh, a lot of quarterbacks have kind of adapted that system, and Shanahan has taken from that as well. Um, But I want to talk about Zach Wilson for a second and kind of the Zach Wilson truthers. Uh, There was reports that Adam Peters was at the BYU game when they were playing, I think it was Boise State, Um, and that caught wind. Uh, for almost the entire season, Zach Wilson has has been the quarterback. Niners fans have wanted if Garoppolo is no longer going to be there for since like week four. Is there any chance at all that the Jets keep Sam Darnold and somehow Zach Wilson does fall to the Niners, or do you think in your mind, knowing that the Niners didn't trade to two or uh, made the trade to three, that it's kind of a foregone conclusion Zach Wilson is going to New York?
1: Um, Robert Sala is a really good chess player. I mean, we're talking like expert level where the, the type of guy that takes 45 minutes to make one move, you, you don't want to play Robert Sala because A, you'll lose and B, you'll just be bored out of your mind. Um, uh, so he has not revealed who he's taking it to. No, nobody knows the, the assumption is that he's taking Zach Wilson and he was there and, um, uh, Mike LaFleur, his uh, offensive coordinator, was there in Provo yesterday, and uh, the GM Joe Douglas was there too. So uh, that's a show of force that suggests that he's uh, that they're taking Wilson. But the 49ers sent their top three college draft guys too. Um, you know, so if they if they were certain that the the Jets were going to take Wilson, I'm not sure that they would have even bothered to to send at least that uh, that caliber of uh, triumvirate, out to Provo. So I, I think there's still some question, basically, is what I'm saying. And, you know, let's say it's a 10% chance that Wilson is, is still there at three. Uh, and I think the 49ers would be absolutely flabbergasted. They would just love it because, um, yeah, like, like everybody else, like all, all 49ers fans, uh, I started watching Zach Wilson in the fall because it coincided with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury and this idea that oh boy, they may need a, a quarterback next year. And uh, you watched uh, Zach Wilson, and and not only did he run sort of a similar, I would say similar concepts to what uh, Kyle Shanahan runs, he's just very uh, natural, uh, very uh, graceful mover. Um, you know, has a great arm, great touch goes downfield um catchable ball everything that you want and so you you got to imagine that Shanahan really that left off the page or left off the screen for for Shanahan as well so if he's there that's the pick uh I don't, I don't think there's any question about that um so uh I, I guess my, my point is that the 49ers are still operating under the um the idea that uh, Zach Wilson could pop up at number three, and in which case he'd be the, the face of the franchise for the next 12, 15 years.
0: Do you think the Niners made this move more so thinking that, hey, if Wilson's there, great, but if not, we have put ourselves in a position to do whatever we want. Like, we've heard rumors that, you know, they could trade back or I mean, whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. But do you think it was more so of like, we can we have to put ourselves in the best position possible to get our guy. If Wilson's there, great. We know somebody would make that move with Miami to go snag him. Maybe a Carolina or, I don't know, a Denver would make the trade up. Do you think it was, if Wilson's there, we're the first team to grab him next. And then if he's not there, we're in a great position to have kind of our fallback options that we still really like at number three.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, look what happened later in the day. Um, Philadelphia, who was at six, moved into the 49ers old position at 12. So the 49ers could have d- done a deal that wouldn't have been as costly, probably, uh, with Philadelphia and, and ended up there. I mean, if they really liked Matt Jones, then maybe they would have just uh, jumped up to, to six. But you're right. Moving up to three gives them total command of, uh, you know, the, the, the next uh, three quarterbacks to go off the board. Um, so again, I think it it just kind of shows that there are multiple options out there for Kyle Shanahan and it shows that he's finished grinding. Um, he's done all the tape study and he has a very good idea of what he can do with at least two of these, uh, next three quarterbacks that, that might come off the board. If the first two are Lawrence and Wilson.
0: I don't know if you've been on Twitter the last, you know, 24 hours. I'm sure you have reporting stuff and and, and doing your job with The Athletic. But Niner fans have been all over Justin Fields. That's the guy they think. Because I'm sure they're assuming, like many of us are, that Zach Wilson's going to be gone at two. Justin Fields is, in their eyes, the next best quarterback on the board. But we saw the QB Collective this offseason kind of post some stories or post photos of Shanahan and Fields at a, a quarterback camp Shanahan is heavily involved in and doing drills with Shanahan and while it might be a very thin connection, do you think that that may have Shanahan's relationship with fields being a young quarterback in high school and in college, him knowing him somewhat may have, uh, and, and, uh, kind of a defining factor in the decision to trade up and the ultimate, uh, player and who they select.
1: Well, I mean, it is thin. I mean, I think fields was in high school when those photos were taken. So, um, and there were a lot of other guys in those photos, too. I think Tua is, is out there as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the whole quarterback collective idea is based on basically the way the, the, the Shanahan, not just the system runs, not just the offense, but sort of the, the Shanahan culture of, uh, you know, these were all young um, assistants who were together in Washington 10 years ago, uh, who are basically running this, this collective, this, this academy. So the fact that that fields has been a part of that means that he's already familiar with not only the, the offense, but the, but the culture and the philosophy as well. So, um, you know, that that is a leg up. I I, I don't know how intimately Shanahan will know a, a Justin Fields. I think he'll know that fields came through the collective, but, you know, during those sessions Shanahan I don't know if he's there for more than a day you know he's talking to half a dozen guys uh at at once so um I don't know if there's a real relationship there but you're right I mean uh Fields at least would know who Shanahan is what his offense is all about and sort of what the what the atmosphere what the culture of the 49ers is going to be and um yeah I mean that, that that can only help I would think I don't think it sways it really one way or the other I think it, it's all about Shanahan in the film room. That's that's what this boils down to more than anything. Because, like I said, they can't they can't go to dinner with a guy and get to know him, break bread, and ask him about his family, all that stuff. They could do that over Zoom, but um, you know that's that's a bit limited, I would think. So, um, um, like I said, it, it, this all boils down to what Shanahan saw. In those dark hours in February when he was locked into his film room at the 49ers facility.
0: One player or one former player, one person now in the media that a lot of fans kind of keen their eyes to and kind of, you know, make sure their ears wander his way a little more than others is Chris Sims because of the connection he has with Shanahan. And yesterday, along with Matt Mayo,ko they both mentioned Mac Jones. Now we talked about Mac Jones a little bit here Um, But do you think there really is any connection between Sims's, oh, Mac Jones fits best here, and what Shanahan actually wants to do? I know fans like to make that connection of, well, Sims and Shanahan are so close, but at the end of the day, this is ultimately Shanahan's decision, and I'm sure he wouldn't want Chris Sims leaking that out there or even putting it out there for the sake of, you know, we're friends, that's what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of, like you said, tuned my ears to to Sims because I thought that there must be some sort of, um, you know, chit chat between him and Shanahan. And so, you know, uh, pro football talk has been leading the charge of the Garoppolo's got to get out of there. The 49ers are unhappy with Garoppolo. And I always felt like, boy, you, you have to listen to that just because Sims is, is there in the room. Um, but uh, like you said, I, I don't think that Shanahan is giving away any, Secrets before the draft, I think this is based on Sims knowing who Shanahan is what Shanahan likes who's shanahan who shanahan's quarterbacks have been and then watching these guys in action and Sims is absolutely right I mean Matt Jones fits what Shanahan has had um, you know he's really good in the pocket he throws the ball all around the field he doesn't make mistakes he's got enough arm uh, enough movement skills but I mean, is enough enough when you're trading away two future first round picks and going up to the number three pick? Um, My thought is that if you're doing that, you want something more. You're shooting for the fences. You're not shooting for status quo. Um, You're shooting for that John Elway type. And and that's why I'm hedging towards uh, Trey Lance, uh, because there is that. That, that's strength. He's a powerful guy. Um, there's athleticism. He can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. He ran a, a pro-style system at uh, North Dakota State. Yes, North Dakota State is not playing uh, LSU and Arkansas and Florida each week. Uh, the caliber of competition is much less. But um, th- there was, it was still a, a pretty impressive offense. That's why they won all those games, and, and Lance had to operate it. He had to uh, you know, point out the mic. He had to do the protections. Um, he took snaps from under center. I can't tell you how odd it is to watch a college player and then you see him and he's like tucked up under the center. It, somehow it seems strange. Like, what's he doing up there? Uh, my point is that he ran a lot of the play action stuff and did it well that um, he would have to run if he, if he got picked by the 49ers. And remember back in 2017, Uh, when the 49ers picked C.J. Beathard, that was one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said. Beathard ran a pro-style system at Iowa, uh, which made his evaluation easier. You saw him doing the things that I'm going to be asking him to do with the 49ers. And so that that sort of encouraged him. So there are some similarities there. Obviously, that wasn't the main reason he took uh, uh, C.J. Beathard, and it wouldn't be the main reason he takes Trey Lance. But Um, There is that connection there that uh, it would have been an easier evaluation, an easier, what's the word I'm looking for, um, projection from uh, watching Lance to watching him in the 49 ers system. And that also would explain what the 49ers seem to be saying about holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, that could all be smoke designed to ratchet up Garoppolo's uh, trade value, and it probably is. But uh, that would make sense from that standpoint. If you're a little bit worried about the fact that Lance only has 17 starts in his college career and won uh, last year, then you mitigate that by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around at least for the start of the season.
0: Before we get into Garoppolo's future, one, I, I agree with everything you just said about Trey Lance. I'm not sure how Niner fans would want their future franchise quarterback being linked to C.J. Bethard, who had a very (laughs) tumultuous time in San Francisco. But let's look back at 2017 again. Uh, There's kind of this narrative out there that this might be the redo. We missed on Mahomes. We missed on Watson. Let's not mess this up again. Let's not miss the franchise quarterback again. I get, my question really is, like, do you think Lynch and Shanahan view this as this is the redo? This is the best chance we have. We have all of our uh, all of our chess pieces in place. The offensive line is fixed. We have our weapons healthy. The defense is back healthy. Uh, the guys are resigned. Is this their chance to redo what they, in a sense, messed up in twenty seventeen and not taking Mahomes and Watson?
1: No, I mean. Um, I, I think that they believe that they were in entirely different places uh, in 2017 and now. 2017, they they came in shocked by how bad the the caliber of the team was, and they realized that they had to rebuild it from the ground up, and that by taking a rookie quarterback there, it, it would have been hard to develop him uh, because that rookie quarterback would have suffered through a bad offensive line. The defense wasn't very good. Remember, they were coming off that. 2016 season where they just couldn't stop the run on defense. I mean, this was a bad team uh, moving from 16 to 17. So I think that's the main reason why they were just going to tread water at quarterback, build up the rest of the uh, roster, and then add their quarterback a little bit later. Um, you know, now they obviously believe that they have a special roster. And that that's sort of my question. Is it as special as they think it is? Um because, you know, they're, they've are they given away their 2022, 2023 first-round picks. This is a team that now thinks, okay, we're going to be picking in the late 20s, hopefully the early 30s in the next few years. So these picks are not going to be as valuable anyway. So let's give them up and get our quarterback. That's the only thing that's missing from this otherwise really superior team that we have. And And maybe they're right. And, um, you know, you can make that argument They They've got talent uh, at just about every spot. The issue, of course, is that that talent has been um, soaking in the in the in the cold, in the hot tub, in the training rooms, on the sidelines, watching from above through a lot of these games. So that's that's the one big question mark. But they feel like if they can bring in a quarterback and maybe bring that quarterback uh, along slowly in twenty twenty one. After that, they're they're going to be the team to beat uh, in, in the NFL. So I, I think that's what their philosophy is. That's what they're thinking right now. Um, and the question to me is whether they're sort of over-evaluating uh, what they have right now.
0: Before we get into the Garoppolo saga, I, I, I want to ask you one question, only because I have to. Are we sure they're not going to pick an edge rusher at number three?
1: <laughs> if uh, If... Uh, Nick Bosa clone were there they would but there's just no that it's not a great year for edge rushers there's nobody expected to go in the top 10 and uh maybe not even the, the the top 12 so um yeah I don't think they're picking an edge rusher this year now question is what do they do with their their second round pick um I'm working on a seven round draft that I, I had to scrap finish that sucker on Thursday um and now uh, it's in the trash heap so i've got to redo that and my big question is what do i do with the second round pick is it a cornerback is it a defensive end do i now want to protect that that rookie quarterback even more and do i get you know the best guard or the best tackle on the uh, uh on the on the board at that point so uh that that becomes their next big conundrum after they pick their quarterback
0: I may have this crazy answer for what they do with the second-round pick, but I want to get into Garoppolo quickly because it does have to do with Garoppolo's future in San Francisco. Uh, You mentioned that they might be trying to, in the word that Niners Twitter loves to use, posture. They've been posturing around uh, trying to build the trade value up for Garoppolo. In your eyes, if the Niners do draft this franchise quarterback, which, let's be honest, it's like 99% guaranteed at this point, Um, do you think trading Garoppolo is in the best interest of the franchise? And do you actually think he has a chance to stick around here maybe for a year in the case they do draft the Trey Lance, or maybe even someone they view as more of a project to give him time in Shanahan's system while Garoppolo plays on the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to depend on what they're offered. I mean, if they're offered a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he's going to be on the next flight out of here. Um, he does have a trade clause, however, so um, but I, I think that the the teams that would be eager to get him, um, which are the the Patriots and the Bears, I, I would think, maybe even Denver, um, you know those would be you know, places that he would want to go and, and he'd want to go on his current contract that's, that's earning him 25 million this year. Um, but I, I, I also can see a scenario and some people just can't um, you know keep that. Notion in their head that somehow he could stick around in 2021. I I definitely can see that scenario because I I, I saw it happen before. Um, It happened with Alex Smith and and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. It happened with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick here. Uh, I can see a scenario where Garoppolo is the week one starter and that uh, a Trey Lance or a Justin Field gets on the uh, field for, I don't know, six plays. Uh, like they do or like they did in in New Orleans in recent years, like uh, they did with Alex Smith and Kaepernick in 2012. Remember, before Colin Kaepernick took over for Smith after that concussion against the Rams, Kaepernick was coming into games for three, four, five snaps. I mean, they were mostly uh, design run type of plays, but they were designed to get him um, some snaps, some seasoning in this offense. And that's why when when he started that, Monday night game against Chicago uh, everybody thought oh all he does is run the ball this is going to be a very rudimentary offense well it, it wasn't it was an offense that had been designed for Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick ran it to a T and all of a sudden the 49ers said oh oh man we got to keep this guy uh in in the lineup because he does have that dual threat uh, and they went to the Super Bowl so um there is some some history there and uh I think that's very interesting and um, I think it's doable
0: I definitely remember Kaepernick making the long run in Lambeau to kind of get the Niners set up before halftime he and and wondering who the heck is this guy I have no idea who this guy is but he looks like something special now Niner fans now don't seem to think Jimmy Garoppolo is very special although getting them to a Super Bowl and being what looked like to have shown flashes of a franchise quarterback I personally believe he's going to stay to stay in 2021 simply because it makes the most sense to keep him around for one more year. Under contract for two more seasons, you really don't have a reason to cut him or even trade him this year unless you're wowed. Like you said, if someone's giving you the 15th overall pick or the 20th overall pick, you of course take that to gain your pick back. But when I look at everything the Niners did this offseason, Verrett, one Tart, all on one-year deals, um, if they would have release Garoppolo or traded him, they would have made this big move still, and they could have possibly brought back Kendrick Bourne, or maybe signed Joe Sooney and put in that right guard to really shore up the offensive line for this rookie quarterback. Um, so to me, it doesn't make sense to move him this year when he's under control. You are likely going to be a 10-6 team, or at least in the playoff hunt, in you know late-in uh, December, pushing for maybe a wild card or even a division if they really are healthy this season. Um, and and I think it also allows the rookie to gain experience in Shanahan's system. He can get chemistry with the offensive weapons like Ayuk and Debo and Kittle for a whole season. And let's be honest here, a healthy Garoppolo's trade value is only going to increase from what it is now. Um, is that something you would agree with, that it may make the most sense to keep Garoppolo around at least for a year, maybe until week seven before the trade deadline?
1: Yeah. And remember, I mean, I was just talking about how the, the draft process is different this year. It's going to be all virtual. The, the spring practices uh, might be all virtual as well. In fact, the, the, the players seem to think that's exactly going to happen. A, a second straight spring that's been been wiped out. So that means that this rookie quarterback, um, whether it's Lance or Fields or Wilson, isn't going to hit the field with his coaching staff until late July. Uh, And so that, you know, that's certainly not impossible. We saw a couple of teams do that last year um, the the Bengals and then um, the Chargers didn't quite uh, use that formula, but uh, Justin Herbert ended up having to start most of the season anyway and and did quite well. But neither of those teams had playoff expectations, uh, at least realistic ones. and, And the 49ers do. And um, you're right. You mentioned all those guys that signed one-year deals, uh, bringing Tart back, bringing DJ Jones back, et cetera, et cetera. You now, this is a team that thinks that it's going to win the division and go through the, su- uh, go through the playoffs and, and hopefully go back to the Super Bowl. So um, I'm not sure that you can um, balance those types of expectations with having an inexperienced Uh, quarterback who didn't have any sort of offseason program so um, again you know the ideal scenario might be that uh, Garoppolo is your starting quarterback to begin the season Garoppolo does really well and then at the midway mark which is the trade deadline you you uh, you trade him for uh, a second round pick or even a first round pick and then you let your rookie take over um that's probably the ideal scenario. Um, you know, the more realistic one is that Garoppolo sticks around for the entire season. Uh, the 49ers cut him, and then the New England Patriots sign him to a, you know, uh, a, a much smaller type of contract in 2022.
0: We've heard the Patriots have been sniffing around Garoppolo for a while, and I don't exactly know what sniffing around really means, but I'm assuming it means we've made an offer or asking continually what do you uh, want for Garoppolo. And in this case, I look at it in a sense of if the Niners do want to move off Garoppolo and they want to start this rookie quarterback or maybe go make a smaller move for a veteran quarterback and have a placeholder. I have no idea what the exact plan would be, and I'm sure many of us really don't. And keeping Garoppolo might be the best option like we've stated, but I look in the free agency market and I see a guy like JC Jackson who is somewhat tied to New England, who has a second round tender on him, and if New England is willing to give up a second round pick, in my eyes, again it might be hard to work out, but second round tender on Jackson, pretty much a second round pick, would there be some way they can make a swap of Reassuring the secondary even further and getting JC Jackson for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, if the case is uh the rookie quarterback is starting week one.
1: Yeah, I mean, um New England would be the the primary trade candidate. And and some people have said, Oh, well, they they signed Cam Newton. That that means that they're off of Jimmy Garoppolo or that they've given up on Jimmy Garoppolo. That's that that's not the the, uh, the Bill Belichick philosophy is to always have players competing for spots, and they didn't have that last year, really, at quarterback. So, um, you know, the war, I don't have any good sources in New England, but uh, people who know Belichick say that um, uh, finding or acquiring Garoppolo is definitely still something he wants to do, and he would love to have Garoppolo and Cam Newton uh, duking it out for the starting spot this year. Now, I, I would um, imagine that they would want that sooner rather than later, um, before they go into the draft and, and and may have to make a decision on one of their picks. So that's sort of the interesting part. That teams, the 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 trade market for Garoppolo will, will never be hotter than it is right now because teams will go through the draft. You mentioned the the Kellen Mons, the the Davis Mills. There's going to be at least, uh, what are we up to, seven, probably eight quarterbacks taken. And so some of those teams will just not be as interested or certainly won't be as interested in giving up as high um, as compensation as they might be in March as they are in late April.
0: Sticking with Garoppolo for one more second. There seemed to kind of have been this this looming dark cloud over him and over the relationship between Shanahan and Garoppolo all this year. We saw maybe a little more frustration out of Shanahan. Now, maybe that was due in part to something we didn't see on the field, but he was throwing the the playbook up in the air or throwing the, the, the sheet he has and maybe showing a little more outward frustration towards certain plays that were taking place. Um, was there a breaking point? between their relationship like, is the relationship frayed to a certain point of maybe Garoppolo says, I don't want to be here anymore. Like was it the Super Bowl where there was nine minutes left and they didn't get it done. Now, granted you can say that I wasn't entirely on Garoppolo. And I think I'd be in that camp, but or, or, or was it the injuries? Was it, you know, the, the week three and week two injury where Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain and Shanahan's upset because you didn't come back on time. Like, is like, was there something there? Was there a breaking point between that relationship?
1: Uh, I think there's definitely exasperation now from the Garoppolo camp that this organization has sort of allowed the, the storyline, the narrative to drag Garoppolo's name through the mud. And only kind of the, the scant every now and then John Lynch appearing on a random podcast saying, you know, no, no, Garoppolo is our, our quarterback of the future. They, they've allowed that to happen. And, and more than that, they've – the reason why – We've been reading so many stories about the 49ers ditching Garoppolo from all corners of this country. Is, is they had made calls from the get-go about various quarterbacks. Um, they were always kind of checking under rocks. Who's available? Is this guy going to be set free? What would you think about trading this guy? So that led to the obvious conclusion that the 49ers are not happy with Garoppolo. So I think that there is frustration on, on that side of it. Um, I don't know how the conversation between John Lynch and Garoppolo went on, on Friday when Lynch said, Oh, Hey, we just traded for the number three pick. It's going to hit the, uh, the airwaves pretty soon. Brace yourself. Um, So uh, I I don't know where that stands right now, but I I don't, I can't, it's definitely not good at this moment. Um, and, And I got, I got a vibe during the season where uh, and this happened back when Alex Smith was the quarterback, and this was the reason why there was a huge rift between Alex Smith and, and Mike Nolan. Remember when Alex Smith had his shoulder separated? I mean, this guy's shoulder was literally dangling out of its socket, and Mike Nolan seemed to think that, oh, I'll just rub some dirt on it and get back out there. You're the quarterback of this team. You need to, uh, uh, you need to lead. And it was just such an unrealistic sort of meathead notion, uh, but it truly drove a wedge between quarterback and head coach and you know, resulted in Nolan being axed a few years ago. I got that same vibe, certainly not to that degree, but frustration from Shanahan that um, Garoppolo wasn't on the field after that initial high ankle sprain. And um, I think it was obvious that they kind of pushed him out there before that high ankle sprain was fully healed. And I, I don't know whether uh, Shanahan realized that. And that's why Garoppolo never made it back into the lineup or uh, it was coming from Garoppolo that he didn't, didn't want to get back into the, the lineup because it didn't help him any, uh, especially on a, on a team that was going to miss the playoffs. But I think that there was something going on there because we were told time and time again, oh yeah, Garoppolo's got a, a good chance to come back before the end of the season, and he never did. Uh, so something changed and all that. Um, I don't know if it's still an issue, but yeah, that's those are the types of things that can uh, become problematic between head coach and uh, number one quarterback.
0: Kind of wrapping this thing all the way back around, earlier you mentioned with Garoppolo, the, the Niners wanting to move off of him and, and how in a certain extent, that this may not have been the plan all along. The the plan may have been Stafford first and Watson. They were kind of checking the options off of their list. Um, I know John Lynch said yesterday he talked to Garoppolo and they had a communication, and you just mentioned that as well. But how transparent have they been with him throughout the entire process? They mentioned it two years ago when they were going after Brady that he knows what's going on. We've been continually speaking with him about our plans and he fits in them. And they've said the same thing here, that Garoppolo fits in our 2021 plans, at least, you know, for this season. Um, How transparent have they been with him? And do you think this may have somewhat blindsided him after maybe seeing Watson being off the radar for San Francisco?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, like I said, this was a team that was lifting up every stone to see if there was a quarterback possibility in there. And, and uh, again, I think that's why he's probably frustrated with them. Uh, but I think that also means that he realized that they were going to come up with some sort of plan here, that um, it wasn't just going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and and really no one else competing for that spot. So I, I think he realized, I don't know if he knew what the outcome was going to be, but he realized there was going to be some major um, change up in in the quarterback room, and, and this is it. So, um, and and they have been transparent with him, and and he said that last year that he ultimately was not unhappy about the Tom Brady dalliance, even though he had just had really uh, the best quarterback season for a Forty Nine er in in fifteen years, really since Jeff Garcia. Uh, so um, that uh, that was there, and I, I mean, I, I think he's he, you know this is a guy who uh, was under Tom Brady for years and saw how hard he was coached. So I I don't think he's, he's weeping into his pillow right now. And I I think he still feels like I've got a shot to be a starter, to show other teams that I'm a starter. And uh, I've got a shot to, you know, keep my career really going and really a shot to go back to new England and, and be the starter there. So um, I think that's ultimately what he's going to conclude and that uh, being a, a a good soldier probably would, would get him there uh, the quickest.
0: The one thing I will say is it seems like Rob Lowe has handled all of this with uh, the amount of respect and humbleness, and he hasn't said anything. He hasn't come out and said, I'm frustrated like many quarterbacks have in the past. It seems like he's handled this uh, the best way you possibly could, at least— from the outside looking in, I have no idea, many of us have no idea what's going on inside the front office and the franchise, but I want to focus on the Niner faithful with our last question for today in that a lot of Niner fans have a, a very emotional connection to Jimmy Garoppolo because of the 2019 season, because of the hope he gave in 2017, the ACL tear in 2018 that ultimately ended that season or any chance they had to go to the playoffs that year. He comes back in 2019 and he leads them to this amazing season that looks to be ending in glory in a Lombardi trophy and then it ultimately crumbles in front of all of our eyes. And then 2020 happens, he's re-injured again, the rookie quarterback conversations are happening, the Staffords, the Watts, and like I've mentioned a lot in this podcast. Um, do you think there might be some part of the fan base that has mixed feelings about lynch and shanahan if garoppolo is let go of eventually and because of the emotional connection they have with him yeah i
1: mean i I think that there is i mean when when garoppolo was traded here in 2017 it was as if the beatles had come over from europe i mean people were losing their you know what over it i mean there was a lot of excitement and it kept building with every remember he, he won those last five games of the season so with every win it just ratcheted it up even more, and so I, yeah, that 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 naturally is going to kind of uh, build an emotional connection. And you know, I, I think you can make the argument that really, you know, people are 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 blaming Garoppolo for being injured uh, this last season. Well, he got nailed in the back of the leg by Quinton Williams. You know, three hundred. And- 25-pound defensive tackle um, because he was not blocked. Um, So I don't see how that is Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. So he he seems to be taking a lot of blame for being injury-prone. I'm not sure a lot of quarterbacks, you know, survive that hit without, um, you know, missing a few games. So um, it's unfair, but that's what this, this business is. I mean, he had a chance to rise up and, and win the, the Super Bowl, and it, it just did not, um, you know, rise to the occasion, and I, and I think that's probably the root of a lot of fans' um, animus towards him, Is that there, was, there it was, the Super Bowl was on the line, um, and, and we had seen him do that in, in previous games, and in this one, it just didn't happen, and whether that's fair or not, uh, you know, that's that's the way it goes. And, and I think that's probably why the 49ers are, are ready to move off of him, because he did seem to get a little small when the game was at its biggest. And um, I don't know if you can ever sort of reconcile that dynamic. Now, <laughs> the only way he comes back from that is if, you know, like we said, the scenario is that he starts the season week one and he just goes nuts. He's awesome. And by the way, this is exactly what happened with Alex Smith in, in 2012. Alex Smith knew full well that uh, he was not the long-term choice for the new regime, the Harbaugh, Greg Roman, Trent Baalke regime in in San Francisco. But he knew that if he took his chance and ran with it, he could really kind of change people's eyes. And he was having a fantastic 2012 before he got – hit by Jolon Dunbar and suffered a concussion. So um, I bet that's what Garoppolo's uh, thinking right now. I'm just going to, you know, win the whole damn thing. That's the only thing I can do. Uh, be an awesome quarterback, win games right out of the shoot, and make this a very, very difficult decision for the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Well, I can say and tell you the exact story of where I was when Garoppolo got traded to San Francisco. I was in my my, uh, communications class, I was sitting in the back, I got the, the notification from Bleacher Report, Garoppolo's going to San Francisco, I immediately stood up and yelled, let's do this thing, like, there was an emotional connection I immediately had with him, and while it does suck to see him possibly be out the door this year, even by Monday, for all we know, uh, I think Niner fans will love him or hate him, they're going to respect what he did for the franchise, and and I think, Garoppolo going out there and, and lighting it up for week one, two, however long he's here. And I mean, for all, the, the year has been so crazy. Garoppolo can go out there gunslinger style and win the Super Bowl for all we know. Again, it probably won't happen, but you never know. Uh, but with that said, Matt, I want to tell everybody that they can follow you on Twitter at Matt Borrows and be sure to check out Matt's work on The Athletic. I just bought my subscription last week and I can tell you I'm already using it every single day ton of great work on there from Matt, even David Lombardi. You guys are putting out great work constantly. If you aren't subscribed, please go subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, It's really a lot of great work by a lot of great people over there, including Matt. And Matt, we want to tell you one more time. We really appreciate your time, and we hope to do this again soon. All right, thanks for having me on, Sterling. I appreciate it as we send matt off to do the amazing work he does for the athletic i want to let you know if you are wanting the latest niners news rumors updates reports you are going to want to follow us on social media instagram is at 49ers dot access twitter is at 49ers Underscore access is going to be a long month before the NFL draft. A lot of speculation. Who they're going to pick at three? Who they're going to pick in the second round? Where's Garoppolo going? Is he staying? Is he going to New England, Chicago, Denver, maybe? Who knows? You are going to want to follow us on social media. Again, Instagram 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review on this podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49ers Access Podcast, and until next time, stay faithful.